Welcome to the Holy Bible Study for Genesis chapter 18. This time around, Abraham is going to have some visitors, and one of those visitors is actually going to be God in the flesh. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. So believe it or not, all the way back in the very first book of our Holy Bible, Lord Jesus makes an appearance and he comes with two angels. And they are going to reveal to Abraham that they are going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for its wickedness. We're also going to have Abraham try and plead with the Lord to not do so, but the Lord is going to explain why he needs to. We're going to find out exactly why he needs to in the coming chapter. So let's just jump right into it. Enjoy it as always. God bless y'all. Godspeed. So let's start with verse 1, chapter 18. And the Lord Yahweh appeared unto him, unto Abraham, in the plains of Mamre. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground. So first thing you want to pay attention to here is when you're first reading this chapter, verse 1, it would seem that the Lord Yahweh is appearing to Abram in a vision. You know, he's making himself visible and physical to Abraham. But as we find, um, he actually doesn't physically appear unto Abraham until these three men appear. And the reason I say that is because it's basically telling you where the Lord appeared to him at. So in the plains of Mamre. So that's how we know that it's the Lord Jesus Christ, because Yahweh never leaves heaven. Whenever he appears to anyone in the Old Testament in human form, it's always in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what we call the pre-incarnate Christ. This is before he was born as the babe in Bethlehem's manger. So he was around, as he said, um, Abraham knew of me. He said, before the days of Abraham were, I was. Because you remember, he was walking around in the garden with Adam and Eve. So, Jesus has been on the earth before, before he came to us in the New Testament. And he will be on this earth again in the future. So, just so you understand that, when it says the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre in verse 1, it means that in this chapter, that's who's appearing unto him. Those three men, one of them are the Lord. And a couple of words I want you to pay attention to here, how we know that these aren't just three regular human men, that these are divine people. And I don't even want to say people, I want to say uh, divine beings. Because if these were just regular old drifters, just passing through, that Abraham was going to commune with and serve food to and dine with, he wouldn't have behaved in the way he did. Abraham thus far, from what I've read, is a very laid-back, very chill um, if, if you could excuse the modern language, a very um, chill, calm, cool, collective guy. But here we find that when he sees these three men appear to him, it says he ran, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself, bowed to the ground. When you meet a stranger, are you going to bow to them? Are you going to run to them? 
If anything, you're going to be cautious and be like, hey, you know, just passing through, how you doing? Kind of try and feel them out. But Abraham sensed something about these men. And on top of that, he knew, he knew that one of them was Yahweh in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he says in verse 3, and said, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Now, once in a while you'll find Lord, L-O-R-D, in small letters in the Old Testament. That's referring to a human Lord. But whenever you find that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the Bible, that's always Yahweh. So he's always referring to God in heaven, whenever you see Lord in all capitals. And that's what we find here. So to one of these men, he's calling them God. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from your servant. Yet a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort you your hearts. After that you shall pass on, for therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, So do as you have said. So again, since there's three men here, I believe two of them that are accompanying Lord Jesus, uh, Yahweh in the flesh, are angels. And I know this because the Lord sends them to Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy it in the coming chapter. So we know that these two men with him are two high-ranking angels. I would suggest that they would most likely be like Michael for sure. He's the warrior angel. And possibly Raphael, who we find in the extra-canonical book of Tobit. Um, these are two powerful archangels of the Lord. I don't think Gabriel would have been a part of them, only because he's, his duties are different. He's not really a warrior angel. If you notice in the book of Daniel, Gabriel is being prevented from getting down to Daniel because of the demonic prince of Persia, and then Michael has to actually come and save him. So Gabriel, I don't think, is a fighter. I think Gabriel, as we find through all his appearances in the Holy Bible, is a messenger. So he's a messenger angel, not a, not a warrior angel. So I believe that these two here could possibly be Michael and Raphael. I could be wrong, but it's just throwing it out there from knowing the Bible front to back. That's my take on it. So we left off at verse 6. And Abraham hastened unto the tent of Sarah. Again, hastening. He's running. He's very excited here. Definitely a change in his nature. And said to her, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd, and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hastened to dress it. Again, he made sure that this young man, his servant, hastened. That means he made haste, he was very quick about it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. So again here, after making all this food, Abraham did not sit down and dine with them. He stood by the tree. So he was serving them. He was being a servant, as he is of the Lord. He is the Lord's servant. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto you according to the time of life. And lo, 
Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Here the son, uh, we learn in the last chapter, is going to be Isaac. And again, he is going to be the seed, the chosen seed of Abraham, through whom all the blessings of Abraham will flow through and will eventually lead to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I explained in the previous chapter why Ishmael is not the chosen seed, why God sent him away with gifts, but he does not inherit all of the promises of Abraham, specifically the promises of the land, which we know today as Israel. That promise is fulfilled through Isaac, Jacob, Israel, the Jews, the Hebrews. I explained all that in the previous Bible study. Now, Abraham... And Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So now, I believe Abraham is right around 100 years old now, and Sarah would probably be about 90. So you just want to keep that in mind when you read her reaction here. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? So here, when she heard Jesus say, I'm going to return to you, and your wife is going to have a child. Obviously, she just did not take it seriously. She chuckled. She's like, seriously, I'm almost 100 years old here, and I'm going to have a child in this old age. I'm going to have pleasure with my husband this old. But, yes, she is going to. If the Lord says it, the Lord can do all things. All things are possible with the Lord. So, yes, it's going to happen. But so Jesus uh, heard her laugh. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid, because I think she too, like Abraham, since these were not ordinary men. They were not just shooting off at the hip. They were proclaiming a prophecy, something that was going to happen in the future, something only God could do. So she got a little afraid. And he said, the Lord said, Nay, but you did laugh. So he put her in her place and said, Now believe from here on because, you know, you're not taking me very seriously. Verse 16, And the men rose up from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, that being the nation of Israel, through his descendants. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So the Lord's repeating that prophecy that he's made to Abraham a few times already. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. If any of you followed around, followed along, excuse me, in these Genesis Bible studies, whenever God is pleased with a man, we always find they walked with the Lord, they kept the way of the Lord, they kept the commands of the Lord. We're going to find that with Moses, we're going to find it with David, we're going to find it with Daniel going forward. They keep the way of the Lord. And the Lord here says that of Abraham. To do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. 
And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. What is their sin? We're going to find out in the coming chapter that it is homosexual sin. So you can't get around it. That's where we get the name sodomy from today. So again, I'm not calling out strictly LGBT people, even though I write a lot about it. If you read all of my articles in context, every article I've ever wrote since 2015, if you read my books, I speak out against all sin. The only reason I speak so much against the LGBT pride movement and homosexuality is because it is the only sin, the only sin that I am aware of in our nation and world today that is celebrated. So it's one thing to sin. It's another thing to celebrate it. We find here that that sin, especially celebrating it, is grievous sin to the Lord. He doesn't just call it sin, he calls it grievous sin. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from there and went toward Sodom. So see these two angels... They're going to go do their business at Sodom. They are going to go bring the Lord's judgment upon Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So now Jesus and Abraham are alone now. And Abraham drew near and said, Will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Will you also destroy it and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? So now Abraham is reasoning with the Lord. He's saying, look, Lord, I know your nature, you're righteous, you're just, you're holy. There are thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people in those cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Are you really going to wipe them all out? Every one of them? What if there's just 50? If there's like 50 righteous people in that city, you're going to wipe it out along with the 50 righteous? That just doesn't seem like your nature, Lord. That doesn't seem like the Lord I have walked with and that I know. And it's true. It wouldn't be. And that's why today we'll see the Lord will pour out judgment. I mean, just look at the recent coronavirus. Now, some people were just old in age if they caught it. And a lot of times the emergency rooms and the hospitals were diagnosing every person that walked in the hospitals having it, whether they truly had it or not, but... I truly believe that whenever the Lord brings severe plagues on this nation like we just recently witnessed, or whenever the Lord brings a serious, severe disaster on this nation, whether it be a Category 5 hurricane, whether it be a great earthquake, whatever it may be, I believe that the people that are taken out by these acts of God, for the most part, a majority of them, were unrepentant sinners. They were godless, they were atheists, they were Islamists, they were, um, you know, rapists, pedophiles, murderers, whoever. They're bad people. The Lord does not take pleasure in the death of anyone that dies, the Bible tells us. He wishes that all would repent and come to him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when you see these judgments of God, like the plagues of Egypt, come down upon the world, upon America, just know that if you were in Christ... If your home is covered in his blood, the blood of the Lamb of God, then just like Exodus chapter 12, the Lord will see the blood and pass over you. Not even a dog will bark in your neighborhood, but all the houses around you that are filled with wicked sinners, unrepentant sinners who mock God, who blaspheme God, 
We want them out of this country. You watch. Your home is going to be left standing, and their homes are going to incur the wrath and the judgments of God. And that's what we find in Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord is going to let the righteous out. But unfortunately, there aren't going to be very many of them. The only one that is found righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, again, there could have been thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Only Lot, Abram's nephew, was found worthy to escape the wrath of the Lord. Now, was Lot righteous later in his life? Obviously, he wasn't perfect by any means. He was living amongst all these wicked sinners in Sodom and Gomorrah. He was actually, I believe, a political leader because it says he sat in the gate. So he wasn't perfect, but his heart was right in the Lord's sight. And I think that's because he was around Abraham as long as he was, because he was related to Abraham. So I'm sure there was some favor there. Um, You know, Abraham being this chosen man of God. So I'm sure the Lord afforded lot a little more leeway than he would just your average old you know sinner but still i believe even peter was peter or paul in the new testament actually say that lot was a righteous man so we don't know we weren't there but all i know is he definitely made some mistakes but again abraham did we all do so as long as your heart is right towards god and you have a repentant heart we're all going to sin and fall short of his glory but if you stay close to him He hears your cries for help. He hears your repentance. He accepts your apologies. And he accepts the sacrifice for your sins on your behalf through Jesus Christ, his sinless Son, our Lord, which is the only way that we today can be reconciled unto this holy God whom we serve. Okay, so he was asking him, if you find 50 righteous, will you still destroy the place? And again, before I go further, thousands, tens of thousands, could have been hundreds of thousands of people in those cities. So to anyone that tells me today, oh, but you know, there's just so many people in this movement, you know, the celebration of LGBT pride, there's so many. There's no way, there's so many good people in that movement. There's no way God would judge them all if they're not repentant. If they don't believe in the Lord, or if they're celebrating the sin, and they think that they know better than God, and that His Word doesn't mean anything anymore, and that He needs to get with the times, He needs to evolve with our generation. I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how good you think they are. Again, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people back then, in chapter 18 of Genesis, is equivalent to the millions in the world today. So if God only spared one person out of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, I'm telling you, it'd be nothing for him to take out millions and hundreds of millions today. So get right with God. If you're a sinner, repent. Tell Lord Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sinful lifestyle. I'm sorry I've celebrated it. I don't want to live like this anymore. I need your help. I want to be what you created me to be. I don't want to live for the world anymore. I don't want to be deceived by the world anymore. Um, I don't even know how I got in this lifestyle. You know, maybe you were abused as a child. Uh, Maybe an older relative. Maybe an older man or an older woman. Or maybe you just, through the media, the television, the movies, which are forcefully shoving 
all this homosexual stuff down your throats, or you just don't get the attention you need from the opposite sex, whatever it may be, it's not what the Lord wants you to be. He wants you to be a wife to a husband. He wants you to be a husband to a wife, not to another man, not to another woman. Um, it's not going to be easy. I lived a life of sin for over a decade, pretty much every sin on the block, and it took me a while to, to get right with God. But you know what? Each step with the Lord is a step in the right direction. Each step that you take remaining in a life of sin is a step in the wrong direction. So keep fighting the good fight. Keep staying in God's word. Keep praying to him daily and nightly for his help, and he will help you. It will get easier. It won't happen overnight. I mean, the Lord is a God of miracles, so it could happen overnight. But friends, he's listening. He loves you. He just wants you to repent. He wants you to get washed in Christ's blood. And he wants you to live to be who he created you to be. And I'm telling you, if you're living in a life of sin, a life of celebration of sin, that's not the life God wants you to live. That's the life Satan wants you to live. Because he wants you to be amongst all the sodomites that will be wiped out when God's judgment comes down. He doesn't want you to escape like Lot. Alright, so would the Lord destroy the city if there were 50 righteous found therein? That be far from you to do after this manner, Lord, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from you, Lord. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Again, before I go further, God has mercy on the wicked every day. The reason America has not been judged as harshly as it should is because this country is divided right now. Half of this country is godless, and they want to take us in a godless direction. They don't want God in the public square. They don't want him in the government. They want abortion on demand. They want celebration of LGBT pride and sin. They are for anything and everything that the Lord is against. Half the nation, probably. While the other half loves the Lord, wants to see this nation return to being a true Judeo-Christian nation once again. They want this nation to honor and revere the Lord and to live by His laws, not the laws of sinful, wicked, godless men. So the reason... You'll see little judgments here and there in pockets of America and not the entire nation being judged. is because, again, there are still righteous here, thank God. Thank God for that. Okay, and let's see where we left off here. I believe in verse 20, And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. So he's humbling himself before the Lord. Peradventure there shall be five missing from the fifty righteous. Will you destroy all the city for the lack of that five? And he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. 
And he spake unto him yet again, and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And the Lord said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, because now Abraham just is pressing the Lord. He's like, okay, well, if he keeps answering me and not rebuking me, then I'm going to keep pressing him. So he's like, Lord, be not angry. I will speak. Peradventure there shall be thirty found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold now, I have taken it upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there. Just twenty. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for the sake of twenty. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. So, end of the story, we find that God said, if there are just ten people in a city of tens of thousands, I will not wipe out that entire city, that entire country. I will not wipe out out the entire land and the inhabitants of the land for the sake of just ten righteous men and women. How amazing is our God? He will have mercy on millions for the sake of ten. But this is how I know we're living in the last days and wickedness and sin abounds because how many judgments have been coming down year after year, and especially here in 2020, it's been all over the headlines since the year started. Whether it's coronavirus or, or you know, rumors of war or disasters. I, and now we have all these protests in the street and a divided nation. This is all the result of sin. God said your sins weigh down the land. They bring a curse upon the land and then that curse comes upon us. So we bring curses upon ourselves. We bring destruction upon ourselves. God only allows it because he has said, if you live a sinful life, the wages of sin is death. And the wages of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah will be death. And we're going to find that in the coming chapter. So today, just remember, if you're righteous, you will have many lives in your nation spared that will then in the future hopefully be able to come to our Lord Jesus Christ. But friends, the time is running short. Because the ten righteous whom the Lord sees is righteous in his sight. I mean, there's a lot of believers. There are millions of believers in this nation. Billion believers in this world. But it's one thing to say you're a believer. It's another thing to walk in the ways of the Lord. It's another thing to truly know the Lord. There are millions of Christians who have never even opened up a Bible. They only call themselves that because that's what their family was, or that's what their parents were, or that's the school they go to. So friends, there aren't very many truly righteous left among us. I just gave you... Um, couple episodes ago why I thought 
the reason for coronavirus was because, primarily because of the lack of biblical belief in this country. And I had given you, it was a Gallup poll, I believe, as to it was like only 2% or 4% of this nation actually holds a biblical worldview now. And that was just amongst professing Christians. So not even 5%, not even 10% of Christians hold a biblical worldview. What is a biblical worldview? It's believing the word of God over the word of man, over the word of your liberal college professor, over the word of CNN. So if God says abortion is murder, and you say, ah, but yeah, the cool trendy thing to do is to be pro-choice, you know, just let everybody, you know, do what they want, live their own lives, which is fine. God gave us all free will, true, but when you're endangering an innocent life, when you're justifying murdering a creation of God, no, there should be no free will for that. You should not have free reign to murder another human being, no matter how big or how small. It's murder, period. So, a lot of Christians, even though God's word says it's murder, I knew you before you were formed in the womb, before you were formed, I knew you, God says. A lot of Christians are just like, no, all the girls are pro-choice, so i got to be pro-choice. Or with the LGBT movement. I, LGBT. I just read... Uh, Last night, an article where it said that support for same-sex marriage in America is the highest it has ever been. It's close to 70% of all Americans. Friends, I've read other studies that say that 70 to 80% of Americans profess to be Christian, some form or denomination of Christian. And yet, Almost 70% of this nation supports something that God's word calls unnatural and abomination that goes against his command for mankind to have a marriage union between a man and a woman for a husband to take a wife and produce offspring. Friends, 70% that say they believe the Bible, are supporting something that is completely antithetical to God's will and God's word. So again, are there even ten righteous in our nation today? Out of 300 something million? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But all I know is that the more and more I watch the news, the more and more I see what's going on around this world, we are in the latter days, we are in the end times. Seven-year tribulation is right around the corner. And the way people are living today is going to be very easy for them to get on board with the Antichrist. Very easy. Because he's going to call the Bible a bigoted, hateful, judgmental book with a judgmental God that shouldn't be believed anymore. And he'll say that they can make their peaceful, accepting, utopian... America and world under him. And they'll go for it. So friends, don't be one of them. Believe the Lord, believe the Bible, walk in his ways. And be, truly be, one of those ten righteous until the Lord calls us home.
that'll do it for Genesis chapter 18. Now next time I'm going to talk about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to tell you all of the reasons why God needs to do that and why he is in the right for doing that. I'm also going to talk about how the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah are still very prevalent in our generation and society today, probably more so than ever before since the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And also those sins, believe it or not, are being celebrated today. I'm going to tell you why America and the nations that are celebrating it are in big trouble and in great danger of becoming the next Sodom and Gomorrah. So don't miss that. Tune in next time. And until then, my friends, God bless you all.